Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by my guy Nate Weitzer on the East Coast in Chicago still. And we are looking at Monday here, the day after Christmas. Hope you all had a great Sunday watching those five games. Some pretty fun action. We've got seven games on the slate tonight, so we are going to be taking a look at a couple game videos and our player props as always, so make sure to like and subscribe to that page. In this one, we're talking about a pretty fun matchup in the Eastern Conference there. Cleveland playing host to the surging Brooklyn Nets. Take a look at that one. Uh, Also want you to head to thelines.com. That's where we have our great content for you guys all season long and our odds finder tool that Nate and I are using every day to make sure you're shopping the best uh, lines available across those U.S. sports books, getting you guys the best juice out there. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into the seven game slate and then talk Cavs Nets. Yeah, it starts off with Clippers at the Pistons, and while the Clippers are well-rested, always beware. It's a front end of a back-to-back for the Clips, so they're minus six at Detroit, but you never know who's going to play. Nets are plus two at the Cavs. Uh, That's a game we're going to break down here. Definitely an intriguing Eastern Conference matchup. Wolves plus three at the Heat, who are once again playing games with the injury report and uh, toying with lines and whatever else the gambling world, DFS world, wants to know. The Rockets are plus eight at the Bulls, who will be without Alex Caruso there, kind of a key injury. The Pacers, another game we'll break down, are up to plus six and a half at Pelicans. Totals up to 236. Jazz, well-rested, minus four and a half at the Spurs. And then the Hornets, plus six at the Blazers, highest total of the night at 238. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we started talking about this Cavs-Nets game on the Christmas slate which, by the way, just went over at a ridiculous rate. Uh, apparently no defense played on the holidays, gift-wrapping layups. Um, and we were thinking, you know, Cavs are tough to beat when they're at home and they're full strength. So that's how we were approaching this game. Cavs tough to beat at home. Um, so that's how we were approaching this game. But, I mean, I think the Nets are tough to beat anywhere right now. I think they're finally starting to... Um, reach their potential. I mean, we talked about this in the Toronto matchup a couple games ago for them. We're all over Nets winning, all over Kyrie putting up points in this matchup. I think it might be a little bit more about Kevin Durant, but look, it's both of them. It's it's a pick-your-poison situation where in their last four road games, KD averaging 34, Kyrie averaging about 29, both guys with an offensive rating over 120, Nets with a 122 offensive rating. And they're not only winning, they're covering lately for their last five games, which is rare for Brooklyn. Um, But it's not just those two guys playing iso ball. It's a really well-rounded team distribution here. High assist to field goal ratio, scoring 124 in their last eight going over in six of the last eight, and the shot die lately has led to 53% from three. That's the best in the league. But in this particular matchup for Cleveland, it's about can you move the ball, I think. Can you get a good assist-to-field goal ratio, and can you beat them in the mid-range? And I think the Nets are perfectly positioned to do that uh, with those two guys. They don't necessarily have to score in the same ways that – a lot of NBA teams try to score, which is either at the at the rim or from the three-point line. And Cleveland kind of built to defend those things. Whereas the Nets, um, their defense is, has been a bit more versatile under Jacques Vaughn. They're, but they're certainly limiting free throws and limiting two-point shooting um, on the road. And the Cavs have a very low percentage of points off threes. It's similar to Toronto. They're 31% of the points on threes. 
Toronto's even lower at 28%. That's why Brooklyn's own Toronto lately, despite their athleticism, their ability to fly over the floor. <clears throat> and Cleveland, yeah, with Mobley back and Jared Allen out there, has that similar ability. But I, I think that those two guys are just scheme busters. And so I lean Nets, whether it's a high-scoring or low-scoring game. Um, but, I mean, the wild card here is how Donnie Mitchell's going to play. And, and that's pretty much what you think in terms of the over. Because he has some huge fluctuations lately. I mean, just awful against Dallas and Toronto, and then just lights out against the Bucks in, in another recent home game. So, I, I mean, I think the total is too much of a wild card to bet on with Cleveland at home. Uh, but I do like the Nets, especially if you're going to get a little juice on that money line. Yeah, it's it's an even matchup. I mean, the first thing we talked about when you when we were talking about this game, like you said, was man, Cleveland's nasty uh, at home, right? Um, and 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 you have to look at how they're nasty at home. Uh, definitely, Donnie Mitchell doing his thing a bit more there as of late helps uh, big time. You also look at um, you know the, the the way that they're they've been nasty at home, as I keep saying, um, and it's definitely like you said exactly right. It's just defending exactly where their strength. is is, which is you know down low so if you are a team and, and they're running you off the three-point line as well as we know as well l- l- sort of limiting the uh, opponent three-point attempts uh, which is huge I think too often we kind of look at you know how is the other team shooting from deep against a certain team and it's like is that really the most accurate defense when there's so much you know uh, variability there with the three-point shot and volatility as we always say Um, and so it's really just about limiting the attempts and that's where they run you off the line and they have the ability uh, to do that obviously because of the fact that they have those that, that presence down low but then you look at exactly where uh, Brooklyn is scoring from and not to be, you know, not, no confusion there. Uh, they've got Ky- Kyrie and KD, two of the best uh, mid-range guys in the game. Um, and that, and that's going to be what it is. Probably two of the best five, if we're being honest, if not three. So um, so if that's going to be where they're going to continue to get the, per- the largest percentage of their points from, then that's exactly how you need to beat Cleveland in this, in this instance, in my opinion. Then you look at the defensive end for uh, Brooklyn, as you were talking about as well. Um, and yeah, the, the, the defense on the road has been a little bit uh, less than, right? Uh, but it's really a, more about wh- what are your two guys doing? Where are they scoring from? And is that dictating the pace and the flow of the game? Um, and that's why their half-court offense compared to transition is just as good. It's the it's top five in the league in terms of uh, Brooklyn. And that's what you need to be able to do to score against Cleveland. That's going to get back, limit, uh, you know, limit fast break points, limit transition points. But like, that's fine. Like, that's not really going to be uh, the MO here for for um, for Brooklyn tonight. I do think it's, it's sort of an opportunity to get Ben Simmons going as well. Um, if you if you look at sort of the the, the games that he's played well in uh, and and gotten you know so, and we'll talk about this in player props, but gotten the props that um, and rebounds and assists that he needs to get. Um, you know, it, it's definitely in these choppier games. It's in games such as this one where um, you know they are going to be playing at a bit of a slower pace. Um, and I think you can see Ben sort of get you know really sort of own the boards as much as he can. Obviously, not own them against this team, but that's essentially what has been helping them score on offense outside of these made shots is their offensive rebounding as well 
insert Ben Simmons in that sense. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit more limited, so I'm not loving the idea of points. I think Brooklyn's down to play at that style of play that Cleveland is. 221, pretty low for a Brooklyn game, but maybe bright on for a Cleveland at-home game. Um, and I do think that Brooklyn's shown the ability to play that that level of pace. Um, they've got, in their last 10 games I was just looking at, they've got like the same amount of games playing at a pace of like over 99 and under 99. So really, they're, they're, they're like I said, they're down to do uh, to, to clown however you guys really want to. Um, so I, I just think that this is an opportunity for them to, to continue to sort of show their dominance of the East. They've been just absolutely destroying uh, the East Eastern Conference during this win streak, uh, winning seven of their last eight against uh, that the, the Eastern Conference as well. Their last loss came to the Seas um, back on December 4th when I think we were all still a little bit more happy with what the Seas were showing there. Um, but this is another game for them to get up for, and I think it's an opportunity to get them at a, a really small uh, spread there as, as, as a dog. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing we're seeing with the Sixers, right? Just like <clears throat> thrown aside as a super disappointing team after like eight games, 10 games, whatever. And now they're just handling business and the Sixers on Christmas available at minus two uh, against the Knicks team. That's, you know, an upstart. I mean, the Cavs are a little more legit than your Knicks, I, I will say. But look, they're just starting to round into form as as actual championship contenders because it's a long season and that's what we expect the Nets to be. And you mentioned Ben Simmons and his ability to distribute. I think that's emblematic of how the Nets are winning right now is that it's KD and Kyrie finishing a lot of possessions, but a lot of guys are touching it. And, and it's really the ball is zipping around. And that's how you beat a good defense like Cleveland. And they've they've scored a lot, a lot on some pretty good defenses lately, including beating Toronto twice. Um, and Toronto, by the way, just beat Cleveland at home, um, holding Garland and Mitchell to some really, really poor numbers while their big guys, OG, Scotty, and, and Siakam, all went for 25-plus. So, I mean, the big the big stars on the other team are capable of getting theirs against Cleveland. Uh, I don't really worry about the Nets' offense as much down the stretch as I really would worry about the Cavs' offense if Donnie Mitchell is not cooking. And for what it's worth, he has really good numbers against Brooklyn his last four <clears throat> when he was with the Jazz. But uh, I don't trust him as much in, in kind of the solo spot or I don't trust Garland as much as his 1B option <clears throat> versus Kyrie and KD, who are I think are finally able to, to fly under the radar a little bit. They're no longer in the headlines for every negative uh, thing and, and they're they're starting to just play ball and, and be the, the dynamic duo that we imagined. Before they were suddenly joined by James Harden and this whole thing kind of unraveled, uh, but they, the two of them together, they, they love playing with each other and they're just uh, absolute scheme breakers. And, and that's what you need to do against a good yep, defense. No, fully concur. And that's how they've been winning as well. So, And then the Pacers have suddenly dropped to plus three and a half with news that Zion is doubtful to return after four days off with conditioning issues. I mean, I, I don't know how you don't have your conditioning ready after four days. That's just sketchy. Uh, the game I like as well here, Jazz minus four and a half at the Spurs. Utah hasn't played also in four days. Uh, they're very good on a rest advantage, very bad on the road, but the Spurs are back to their tanking bullshit. So I think Utah should be able to handle that one. And then the Hornets plus six at the Blazers with the highest total of the night at the 238. So huge line movement with this early news on Zion. <clears throat> the total I've been bet up from 229 to 236. Hopefully, if you guys were watching that, that's where you grabbed the under. Um, and now it's at 234, probably going to keep dropping. And I think the spread might keep dropping as well for the Pels. 
in which case I'm on it. I'm on the home team. Like, I mean, they, they've played plenty of games without Zion. Um, and the Pacers are, while, while they've had a nice run here, beating two Eastern conference juggernauts, if you will, um, in Boston and Miami, I don't think that they're ready yet to go into NOLA to beat one of these mishmash, one of its teams meshing on at the top of the Western conference, you know, flavor of the week, best team in the West. Um, that that's needs to get right after their little slide here. And the biggest reason is CJ McCollum, who I, I was going to lead player props with, even if Zion was playing um, because he's cooking again. He, and he, he came into the season a little bit out of shape, was not cooking early when these teams met and Indy actually pulled out the win. Uh, but right now <clears throat> he should be a problem for this Pacers defense that struggles to guard the perimeter. Um, and they've done much better though limiting points of the paint, limiting free throw attempts uh, lately, still 29th on the season, but in their last three, giving up the third fewest free throw attempts per game. So uh, a Pelicans team that I, I, I did lean towards under for sure at 236, because this is a Pelicans team that guards the three point line extremely well. And that's basically why Indy's been playing so well recently. They're number one in three-pointers made and third in percentage in their last 10 games, hitting 21 on Miami, <clears throat> which Miami is a really good team defending three-point line too. I see that more as an outlier than as Indy doing something particularly well. I mean, Halliburton eight for 10 or 10 for 16 from three in that game. Halliburton just unconscious right now including against the Celtics, but <clears throat> that has to come down a little bit. Um, I, I mean, just his efficiency from deep is not going to be there. You look at the Pacers on the road, 11 and six to the under this season games, averaging about two thirty, which is, you know, pretty impressive in terms of total, but not going to get you to two thirty five where we at, we're at right now. And um, the Pels, I mean, they haven't hit 230 since in five games now. You're certainly going to expect less pace, let fewer free throw attempts, and, and less point pain points without Zion if he's not out there. And for whatever reason, Pels have a slightly better defensive rating when Zion is playing. I don't really buy into that. I think their defense will be just fine without him here. And, and particularly against Indy, that's a perimeter-heavy team. Uh, that likes to shoot a ton of threes. And that's exactly what Willie Green's squad can do is run you off the line and get you into situations, into shots you don't want to take. Um, so I like the under. I like the the home team here, though, depending where you get this line, because it's going to fluctuate a lot now that we know Zion might not play. Yeah, if, if Zion, if, look, this is just a fun game to talk about no matter what. It kind of got a little bit more fun as it's, it's been fluctuating like crazy. This thing opened at 229.5. I hit it already at that over because I was just like, come on, man. Um, but 236.5 all the way up to, to that the next day. I, I wake up this morning and that's what it's at. And then literally as you're reading the lines to go over this game, we're like, wait a second. Why did it just go from 6.5 to 4.5 in a matter of seconds uh, for for, for the, the Pacers here um, and it's, it's still dropping a bit it's at three right now as we're talking um, plus three for for New, for New Orleans 234 and a half 
Um, probably where it should have started, to be honest with you, is like 232, 233 is probably around where this, this total should have started. Last time they played, I believe that they reached 241, and that was a pretty much everybody playing scenario, including Brandon Ingram uh, and Zion uh, for, for the Pellies, everybody in there for Indy, including Miles Turner. Um, but I... I believe in this Indiana style of play over the last, you know, let's say five to 10 games and more so on defense than, than offense. And that's why I believe that they can hang in these games uh, the way that they have been. They haven't lost a game by more than seven points in like two or three weeks, right? In their last uh, roughly seven games, they've been at least covering that amount in that time frame. Uh, they've gone six and four against the spread. Um, and, and like you said, I, I'm a little bit weary of, of their success on offense because of the fact they've been so reliant on threes that's going to be how they continue to play but they've just been absolutely unconscious from from deep uh, as of late which is how they beat those Celtics as well who aren't really guarding the three-point line so there's a bit of a give and take there but um, yeah I, I think they're you love points because of the way that you initially loved points because of the way that the Pelly score and the way that the, the holes that Indy has on defense when you're giving up free throw attempts. I know they've, they've sort of, uh, you know, gotten better at that in the last three games that they've played, but over the course of the last 10, they're still like pretty much dead last and allowing uh, free throw attempts to the other team. They've just been playing a few teams. I think, you know, C's aren't getting to the line that much. Uh, the heat, they kind of are, but they weren't in that game uh, only getting 108 points and, and nobody driving for them. And like you said, I hate talking about the heat this year because I don't even know who's playing. So it's not like we're talking about the same team ever. Um, but we know what Indy's bringing. And I think that they've shown over the last 10 that they're going to be uh, a little bit better in the paint uh, They're going in terms of on defense. They're going to continue to put up those threes. And if you know how well they do uh, on offense is obviously super predicated on making three-pointers. But how well they're playing on defense, I think, about middle of the pack is, is what you can expect from a Rick Carlisle team moving forward. Um, the rebounding has gotten a bit better. They are dead last on the season in defensive rebounding percentage. But also something in the smaller sample size as of late, limiting opponent second chance points, limiting offensive uh, rebounds from the other team as well back into the top 15. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know that their offense is sustainable game after game the way that it is and the way that the Pellies, they've actually been a little bit worse the last three games or so in guarding the three-point line. But overall on the season, we know that how good they are. They're third best in limiting their opponents three-pointers made and percentages in the top five. So they have a legit you know defense against the three. It's been a little bit lackluster of late. Um, I think there's something to the idea that they're a little bit worse on defense without Zion because he has been much better this season individually. Um, but I don't know that, you know, it is a five-point difference in terms of uh, uh, their defensive rating, five points per 100% per 100 possessions better with Zion on the floor. I'm not making that a just total like causation or a correlation. I'm just saying that there's something there that at least shows that Zion's been bringing it a lot more on the defensive side of the ball um, in allowing them to get those defensive rebounds. I would say offensive rebounds, to be honest. On defense, he's still not really defensively rebounding. So I, I, that's been the opportunity as well for a guy like Miles Turner. But I think between Turner and, and, and uh, Valanciunas just beating the crap out of each other, uh, which we'll continue to see and, and, and as long as Miles, unless Miles Turner just stays out on the three-point line, which I mean, he's going to be – he's fine being guarded by Joval out there, also a pretty good individual defensive rating this season. So I, I do – you know, you got to see what's going on with this total. Let's just be very clear. Like 234.5 right now. I'm still kind of leaning uh, a bit to the under here uh, at like at closer to 230 is what I see this game without Zion in. I think the pace might go down a bit as well without Zion. We know that goes up. So I think everything just becomes a little bit more organized um, and it's something that the Pacers want. They're not scoring fast break points either. They are limiting them. So I just I think there's an opportunity to, to sort of 
over take the overcorrection all the way up to like 236 and go under on that total. Um, and I still kind of like the Pacers to be able to hang around this game. It's at plus three right now. Uh, I probably wouldn't take the Pacers any lower than that because, like you said, and we'll talk about CJ McCollum and player props, but CJ is on one right now, and I'm, he's definitely enough to carry this offense with a pretty good defense still in there with, with Herb Jones and Trey Murphy the third uh, healthy right now. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's just go ahead and jump right into our first NBA play a prop for tonight. Yeah, the wacky stuff. It's another COVID Christmas, basically. And there's also a lot of non-COVID coronaviruses going along. That's what you hear in my voice um, for what it's worth. And the Pelicans seem, Zion seems to have been sick. So he's doubtful to return to to um, play due to conditioning. Um, and then his illness seems to have spread around the locker room a little bit. You got to stay on top of it to know who's going to play. But we think CJ McCollum's going to be out there with, you know, a bit of a skeleton crew now. And as it stands, 20 and a half points for CJ is very low. It's probably going to adjust uh, with Zion being out. But in any case, in his last five, he's averaging 29 points, eight and eight over assists of 30% usage rate. If you take out a poor shooting night against OKC, 31 and a half points per game in his previous four and his last three at home, 33 points per game. Uh, facing Indy, who he struggled against in November, but to me, I, I thought CJ came into the season a little sluggish, a little out of shape, and he's rounded really well into shape. Um, and now he's lighting it up with Zion or BI and BI out tonight. You know, in that dud against Indy, BI had a 31% usage rate and Zion also had too low of usage. Uh, but now, you know, they can use CJ to really attack Indy, which is giving up the most points per game to shooting guards in their last seven and third most on the season, throwing a lot of rookies out there at that position on the wing, Nemhart and and Benny Meth, Benny Matz, as we call him. Um, so I think it's going to be a, a, a teaching opportunity for CJ at home and he's going to continue to cook. Oh, yeah, you didn't even mention Buddy Heald's lack of defense as well, who's starting at shooting guard for them. And that man loves to watch others shoot threes just as much as he loves to watch himself shoot threes. So I think there's plenty of reason to love CJ at 21 points to score tonight. I mean, if you want to get him to score 25, you probably get closer to double your money there. Uh, I'd feel fine about CJ, you know, getting 25 points tonight. I think that's way, way too low right now. So um, I'm going to go to another guy who's been tearing it up since he came back. LaMelo Ball has those Hornets playing pretty well. Uh, his 
points, rebounds, and assists are at 36 and a half. As I told you the other night, watch out for the Lakers game where they are probably going to lose to these uh, Hornets. Uh, that wasn't even LaMelo's best game, although he did end uh, with 23 and well over this 36 and a half PRA. Um, this game has a 238 total tonight versus the Blazers. I think you can expect a lot of great guard play in this one. No Gary Payton the second tonight or Justice Winslow. And you've got uh, Nurkic and Josh Hart both returning from injury. So we'll see what sort of shape they're in. Uh, had some decent rest, but we'll, we'll see about that. Uh, and then his last four mellow, we're talking about... I guess I'm calling him Mello, by the, by the way. I used to, to fight against that, but he is. I'm just going to go with Mello at this point. He's deserved it. In his last four, 25 and a half a game, seven and a half uh, boards, and uh, more than nine assists. That's with his about 32% usage rate in thir- almost 35 minutes there. So you're basically looking at his per 36s. Um, and in three versus Portland uh, so far in his career, 28 a game, six boards, and seven assists on, on that 31% usage. So this is what you can expect from this Hornets team and Mello tonight. Um, and, and like we were saying about, you know, without GP2 and Justice Definitely their two best uh, wing defenders there, uh, or at least guard defenders. Uh, Portland giving up the most rebounds per game to point guards. Um, and in their last seven, allowing point guards to get about 30 points a game uh, and well over this line of, of the PRA that LaMelo is playing. And like I said, if he's playing about 36, 35 to 36 minutes tonight, I think 37 points, rebounds, and assists combined, especially if you expect him to get close to the 25 points, you got to feel pretty good about him getting another 11 rebounds and assists combined. Yeah, those numbers in his last four in just 34 minutes per game and yeah. in his career against Portland in just 31. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> he's going to be playing more as Charlotte continues to push the pace. And they've really been dominating the paint um, paint margin in their last few games. I mean, just lighting it up. That's why you have a 238 total. Um, as he just plays with big men all the time, and it's just like the LaMelo show in terms of pick and roll, either him scoring or assisting on everything. So I I like combining the points and assists and throwing the rebounds too because Portland, that's always their deal, right? They have undersized guards. We're not going to match him on the boards. Um, looking at this Jazz-Spurs game and <clears throat> want to take an under, I kind of want to predict a, a non-competitive finish is more what I'm thinking here, that Utah's is going to blow out the Spurs who are no longer really trying to win. I mean, they've fluctuated between competitive results. They did have a couple pop-up wins and they've beaten the Rockets twice, but that's, you know, a different story than the Utah Jazz, who are actually pretty good and are very well rested. Off since December 22nd, uh, they're 4-1 and one with two-plus days of rest, and they also go over with a rest advantage at a 5-1 to one rate. So, might not be that close down the stretch. Keldon Johnson's been productive lately, but 21 and a half points is high. I would tack on the three assists as well because his playmaking is not really up there. So under 24 and a half points assists against a Jazz team that's actually allowing the third fewest points to small forwards this season um, and has held KJ to 16 and a half points and just one assist per game in his last three meetings with Utah. Uh, so like the Jazz, minus four and a half, and like them to to limit, I guess, the Spurs top option right now. I mean, they don't they don't have much to threaten you with. No, he he is their top option and, and he's been playing better since um I think it was actually when we start we took an over on him like three weeks ago because he had been playing so poorly and that was the game that got him out of his rut. Um but this is an, an opportunity I I'm not necessarily going to tail this one just because of the way that Kel Johnson's been playing in his last roughly 10 games or so. But I, I do like the idea of, of throwing the assists in there. You look at he hasn't been playmaking nearly as much. Uh, I think he's only had three assists uh, roughly twice in his last 10 games. So some opportunity there uh, 
uh, to, to feel good about him going under on the assists if you add those for sure. Um, I'm going to finish things off talking about assists and rebounds combined for Ben Simmons over 11 and a half. Um, you could take the points. They're only at eight or so. So it'd be about a 19 and a half points, rebounds and assists. Um, but over to get 12 rebounds and assists, basically if he's getting minutes uh, and if he's getting minutes is because he's not fouling, then he's, then he's going to be getting this, this prop essentially. So, um, you know, over his last three, he's averaging eight, uh, eight, assists and 7.7 basically 16 uh boards and assists combined and that's in 31 minutes and in two of those games over his last three he didn't even play 28 minutes it was 27 and 24 minutes he had a 41 minute outing in their overtime win recently as well which is why he still has those minutes uh pretty high but basically over his last 10 in his per 36 is 10 boards 10 assists um and you've got to, it, it, especially tonight in a game where um cleveland you know if they are going to be uh, uh vulnerable anywhere or at least if you're going to be able to attack those big men down low you've got to be playing a little bit more of that mid-range game getting a few more of those offensive boards that might be bouncing kind of high and out into the middle of the paint uh, and that's where Ben Simmons lives and he has been living at the offensive uh, uh, on the offensive rim as well getting a ton of offensive rebounds you might be worried about him in, in this game but Cleveland you know with Jared Allen and, and uh, Evan Mobley but uh, against Jared Allen in his career he's doing just fine averaging about 19 10 and 8 in, in those games from when Jared Allen was on Brooklyn and he was on Philly uh, really wasn't worried about that at that time hasn't really played much against Evan Mobley so we'll see that but Cleveland is is susceptible in that one position that you, you expect Ben Simmons to be running all over the place which is that that versatile power forward uh, and they are bottom 10 in allowing points and rebounds and assists two opposing power forwards. So if there's one spot on the floor that you feel good about getting uh, some of these hustle points against this team it is in that power forward spot for for Sen Bimmons tonight. Yeah, I mean, and he's been a key cog in, in Brooklyn's surge here because he's a, a ball mover and he's doing just enough to threaten defenses by by attacking the rim when it's his opportunity uh, that it's opened up a lot of drive and kick lanes. It's a big reason why we we like Brooklyn, despite Cleveland's great numbers at home this season. Uh, Brooklyn getting a little bit of juice on the money line. I think Simmons will be a part of, of their effort no matter how this game shakes out. Yeah, he's going to have to be for sure. So. That is all the time we have for you in this one, though. Make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along with us, bringing you these videos each and every weekday this season. So until we see you next, happy betting. 